how can we use writing to foster civil discourse? This question gets right to the heart of our work as educators and teachers of writers. We hope our students develop the confidence and skills to engage in hard conversations, especially in this moment when our country is deeply divided and it seems like there are few spaces for people with different perspectives to listen to each other and to come together to think together and create. But as teachers, we can create these spaces and we can use writing as a powerful way to deepen and enrich the conversations. Welcome to TwigCast, a podcast for and by teachers. I'm Jess Westhoff, an educator with the Boise State Writing Project and a member of TWIG, the Teaching Writers Inquiry Group. We are teachers who write, share, celebrate, and reflect together. We meet the second and fourth Tuesday of each month to engage in lively, challenging, and joyful conversations about our practice. The purpose of this podcast, or TwigCast, is to continue the discussion and invite you to listen and respond. So thanks for tuning in. And even more importantly, thank you for the powerful and hard work you are doing with your students. We hope this conversation will be energizing and helpful. Today we are joined by Maddie Johnson, who is a fifth grade teacher in Boise, Idaho. Welcome, Maddie. Hi, Jess. I'm so excited to be here, but I want you to know this is my first time podcasting. (laughs) Um, I cannot imagine a better person or place to take my first leap into the podcasting world with. (laughs) I have been so excited, but so nervous to meet with you today. I even shared with my fifth graders today that I was excited, but very nervous to try out a new skill this afternoon. I love that you shared that with your students. Tomorrow, you're going to have to give them a full recap. Oh, I have no doubt that they will be asking (laughs) the second that they arrive. (laughs) So how was your day with them today? Today was great. We spent time looking at um, what authorities are saying about returning to the moon in 2024 And so we spent most of our day practicing paraphrasing, and then we had fun using the backyard barbecue strategy to share our thinking this afternoon. I actually think that I saw your students engaged in a lesson um, similar to that when I visited your classroom last uh, winter. Yes, that's right. You did. And if I'm remembering correctly, this lesson actually leads to students developing their own claims about whether our country should invest resources in returning to the moon. Is that right? It is, yes. This lesson is really about looking at a conversation that's already in progress and then hearing from other points of view um, and finally coming together to create your own claim based on your new evidence and also just how you're feeling about the topic. Very Um, cool. And Jess, is this also your first time podcasting too? Am I right? Yeah. Yes, this is definitely my first time podcasting. And I am beyond thankful that we are doing it together. And actually, speaking of trying new things, we've actually been exploring a number of novel endeavors in 2021. Yes, we have been a busy group. In fact, we are working with a team of Boise State Writing Project friends And within our group, we have launched a new website, a blog, 
Um, we're also hosting a bi-weekly Zoom gathering. Um, and of course, trying out this podcast endeavor. Um, it's been great. And I'm already loving how it's helping to keep our community together and engaged in meaningful conversation in the midst of the pandemic. Yes. 2020 taught us that even a pandemic cannot stop teachers from finding ways to continue talking and thinking together. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) It's such a bummer that we can't be in each other's classrooms this year and share ideas over a cup of coffee, but we've definitely kept the conversation going and have stayed connected. And we're discovering that online platforms are creating the space and flexibility for even more teachers to join the conversation. I think we definitely have to celebrate these silver linings when we can identify them. For sure. Our Teaching Writers Inquiry Group and the Live Tuesdays with Twig Gatherings have been the highlight of January for me. Me uh, too. In these last two sessions, I've left with so much more to think about and apply to my classroom. Um, I really appreciated all this time to really think together and just grow as educators, especially in such a challenging time. Yes, our Tuesdays with Twig sessions have been fantastic. I love connecting with old and new friends. It's really been good for my heart and for my brain. I leave each conversation with new ideas and persisting questions. And this month, we've been exploring a very important and timely question. How can we use writing to foster civil discourse? We've talked about how civil discourse is at the heart of democracy. We must have real conversations in which we seek out other perspectives and revise our ideas. But considering our current social political context, how can we support students in really listening to each other and revising their claims? Many of the teachers in our group talked about how creating opportunities for low stakes writing is one strategy for fostering civil discourse. We all need the space and the time to think, and writing is a powerful way to think and revise our thinking. You're right. It is. It is so important to give our students and ourselves the opportunity to take time for thinking, and writing is such a simple yet I think often overlooked way to provide that space and time um, for ourselves. During our Tuesdays with Twig Chat, Nick shared a definition of what civil discourse is and what it is not. And there were two phrases that really stood out to me. The first was the idea that civil discourse is about listening and talking. And the second idea I'm still thinking about is that it's every speaker's responsibility. I was also really struck by this definition, which I actually think comes from American University's Project on Civil Discourse. So you can check that out online. And I also have to give a shout out to one of my alma maters, American University. (laughs) (laughs) Maddie, how do you support your fifth graders in really thinking about how to productively engage in conversation, how to participate in civil discourse? Well, actually, a few weeks ago in my classroom, we were discussing our conversational norms and thinking about how conversations tend to go. And several of my students actually brought up the idea that the hardest part of a conversation is that you never really know how it's going to end or if you might accidentally say something that potentially could hurt the other person's feelings. Yeah. So that really got us talking about not only choosing our words, um, but how in a heated conversation, the opportunity and that space to think and choose your words carefully 
doesn't always occur. Um, making conversations a little bit scary or intimidating, especially when feelings are involved. Yeah, I think we've all experienced some really difficult and intimidating conversations, especially in the last few months. I'm wondering about how writing might be a tool to ease into these discussions. I have found that low stakes writing is a great way to do this in my classroom. Um, Also, low stakes speaking opportunities are also super helpful. In my classroom, I really like to use free writing and then the turn and talk strategy together. So before I have students turn and talk with a neighbor, they first just take a few minutes to write and collect their thoughts. Um, And I find that this just a little additional time in our day to sit and write and collect our thoughts as well as any evidence or any reasonings that they might have really makes their conversations richer in the end. Um, I also think that my students seem to listen to the speaker a little bit deeper or a little differently, knowing that their own thoughts might be shared and that they can add to the conversation or even disagree using the evidence that they've already taken the time to record. Maddie, I love that strategy because students have two opportunities to think through their ideas before engaging in more high stakes conversation with the whole class. And your example is really making me think about a moment during Tuesday's conversation when we discuss the kind of performative nature of some writing and speaking. So civil discourse really depends on the authentic exchange of ideas and each person's willingness to revise their thinking. What do you do in situations that can seem very high stakes, like a whole class discussion, um, to really encourage students to listen and to keep open mind rather than just perform their ideas? Mm, Great question. As a class, we have created conversational norms, and they're posted in our classroom all year long. Um, They're also something that we come back to and edit and revise as the year goes on. But before a conversation takes place, I will give a simple reminder or a quick review of our norms. And this year, more than ever, just like us, my students are craving discussion. So it has quickly become a favorite relational ritual in our classroom. Occasionally, I do hear, uh, ah, if I would have said it this way, it would have been so much more powerful. Um, And I think that while this could be perceived as performative, I really think it's about word choice and the students really learning their audience. You do such a great job of developing norms with your students and frequently reviewing and revising them. And I also know that conversations like Socratic seminars, fishbowls, and at Woody and Tables happen a lot in your classroom. Do you think that when teachers make classroom conversation a regular part of the day, that might also make it less performative and more authentic? Definitely. I think it really becomes part of the classroom culture. Um, Pretty soon, I notice that when my students don't have that opportunity to talk, they're really asking for it. When we went virtual in March last year, my kids shared that what they missed the most was having these conversations and debates because it truly was part of our classroom culture. Um, This year, my current group of students asks me if they can jump into philosophical chairs The minute that a hot topic is brought up, um, they just absolutely love it. (laughs) That that is so great. And as teachers, we also jump at the opportunity to discuss hot topics. 
But during our Tuesdays with Twig gatherings, we also do some writing, our own low stakes writing before jumping into conversation, practicing what we preach, right? Yes, I love it. <laughs> this Tuesday, our prompt was to respond to a few lines from Amanda Gorman's incredible poem, The Hill We Climb, which she shared with the nation during last week's presidential inauguration. So let's take a listen to a few lines. We are striving to forge our union with purpose to compose a country committed to all cultures, colors, characters, and conditions of man. And so we lift our gaze not to what stands between us, but what stands before us. Several of the teachers during our conversation after we did our writing, <laughs> shared that they were struck by this image of lifting our gaze, that what we pay attention to, who we pay attention to matters. And we talked about the work that teachers do to draw students' attention to inspiring and generative questions, ideas, and texts. So I've been specifically thinking about the years I spent teaching 11th grade language arts. Um, that's the year for American literature, and there's always a call for some sort of American dream unit. It's problems and possibilities. I remember feeling such an enormous responsibility to select texts that represented a wide range of voices and especially draw attention to voices and histories that are often overlooked. I sought out texts that encouraged students to grapple with the tensions and the contradictions of our history and our current society. And I tried to make room for students to write about these complexities. I realized that if we just jumped into conversations after reading texts, many of my students dug into their beliefs. But when we wrote first, students had a chance to wrestle with new ideas and they really were more open to different perspectives um, when we finally did have our larger classroom conversations. Teaching fifth grade, I feel so many of those same responsibilities that you just listed, Jess. Our content is centered around American history, and it's often one of the first times that students are really forced to grapple with these big issues as a citizen. Um, so this really makes me think about the power of low stakes writing for our students and just that those few minutes of writing really gives students the chance to synthesize their new learning and really reflect on their own beliefs. Definitely. And also after Tuesday's conversation, I was thinking a lot about how we assess or evaluate civil discourse. Mm. One of the teachers in our conversation, um, he asked, what are the products of civil discourse? And I think that's a really interesting question because as teachers, we feel very comfortable identifying certain markers of growth, but I don't think we talk a lot about what happens when students are engaged in civil discourse. What does that look like? Do they ask different kinds of questions? Are they more curious? What are your thoughts, Maddie? Wow. Um, gosh, the first thoughts that really come to my mind is that when students are truly engaged in civil discourse, it they really become better listeners. Um, I guess when I think about my classroom, I see them really leaning in to listen to the other members of the conversation, asking questions, um, and even using kind of a mirroring technique um, in order to get those answers. I also notice that a group of students who will join a conversation in disagreement at first will often end the conversation finding some common ground. So I often hear phrases um, such as, well, I still disagree that, 
blank, but I do agree on. And I think that, you know, coming to this, this, um, really civil disagreement, I guess. Um, I love that they hear other people's perspectives and almost try them on for size during these discussions. While in the end, they still think about how they are affected and how um, their own beliefs and opinions are important. And gosh, I think that's really one of the most beautiful things about school, the chance to try on different ideas, different ways of thinking. You know, and I really agree when students are willing to take that risk of truly exploring a new perspective and then offer a different claim. That's definitely evidence of civil discourse in action. You know, and I'm just reflecting a lot about what a gift it is that we have to see our students engage in these conversations. I am just so inspired to keep reading, keep writing, keep talking, and keep learning. Same. And you know, this year I feel that more than ever. Teaching in a pandemic has had so many other learning curves for us this year. But I feel like I haven't really taken the time and the space to think about my practice like I have in prior years. So I so appreciate our time together on Tuesdays to learn and grow. Um, Like I said before, I've already learned so much that I now want to bring back into my classroom and share with my students. Well, Maddie, thank you for being a part of Tuesdays with Twig and for talking with me a bit more this afternoon. I love thinking about these big questions together, these questions about teaching and learning in new ways. But before we sign off, I'd love to get a bit of a glimpse into your writing life. Are you game to play Ask a Writer? (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, pressure's on. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Okay. We know that writers are readers, so will you tell us a little bit about what you're currently reading? Mm, Sure. I'm actually reading a book that you recommended to me last summer, I believe. Um, It's called Reader Come Home, The Reading Brain in a Digital World by Marianne Wolfe. I love that book. (laughs) I learned so much about our brains and the science of reading. It's truly fascinating. Um, You know, and in some ways, I think that Marianne Wolf's claims about the importance of creating the space for deep and thoughtful reading really connects to what we've been discussing today about making room for writing and discussion. I have made so many connections this week to the work that we've done with writing and twig. Awesome. Okay, next question. This is a tough one. Which which author most inspires your writing? Oh, man. Well, currently I want to grow up to write like Amanda Gorman, but who doesn't? (laughs) Definitely. Me too. (laughs) Gosh, you know, I don't think a particular author really stands out to me, but often before I sit down to write or um, I will either listen or read an informational text and really choose to listen as a writer. Um, just the way my brain works, it is always full of way too many ideas. And um, having that informational text fresh in my mind, it really seems to help me kind of clear through um, those ideas and sort my thoughts. That is really interesting. And it actually also speaks to the next question about your writing rituals. But will you indulge us and tell us about another one of your rituals, maybe a time of day you like to write, a special notebook? 
something about your process. Mm, okay. Well, I'm the most productive in the morning. So for me, a quiet morning with a delicious coffee and a blanket on my lap is my ideal creative time. I'm also very tactile. So I love a notebook that has super smooth blank pages. Um, yes. <laughs> I know that you are like me in that way. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I really prefer a felt pen. Um, and so that's where I always get my ideas started um, before moving to a computer. You know, recently I've gone back to starting on paper as well. Maybe it's Marianne Wolf's influence. Maybe. <laughs> I am taking also as many opportunities as possible to sneak away from my computer screen right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. For our last question, what is one thing that you want to celebrate about your writing or your work with young writers? Mm. I want to celebrate the work that we've done with TWIG and the C3WP resources over the last three years. The conversations about writing and the work our students have produced still are constantly amazing me, and I'm so proud of them. Uh, Years ago, my mom gave me a bracelet that says, you are the author of your life. And I believe that the work that we are doing has really instilled in my students the importance of their writing and the impact they can have on the world with their words. Um, And that is what makes my teacher heart just want to burst. (laughs) Mine too. Oh my gosh. We are the authors of our lives. And when we lift our gazes, we can compose some pretty amazing things together. Thank you, Maddie. I love hearing about your classroom and your students, and I cannot wait to visit again in person. Thank you for hosting, Jess. And until then, I look forward to seeing you in our Zoom room um, on Tuesday the 9th for more of our conversations and learning with Tuesdays with Twig. Thank you for joining us. We hope this conversation has helped you think about how writing can be a powerful tool to foster civil discourse but there's still so much more to discuss. Please comment on social media and we will keep talking. We also want to invite you to join us live on the second and fourth Tuesday of each month on Zoom. We meet from four to 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time and all are welcome. Hop on to www.twig.fun, that's T-W-I-G dot F-U-N to R-S-V-P. You'll also find resources and information about other ways to connect. Happy writing.